Hi, I'm Curtis Hill, and you are listening to The Extra Point. I'm recording this the week of December 22nd, 2019. This edition of The Extra Point will be a little abbreviated just because I know it's Christmas week and there's many things to do. The Extra Point is a place where I can share a little more of what's on my mind, especially related to the Sunday morning message at Ogletown. This past Sunday, I preached from Isaiah 9, and we went through, we've been going through the book of Isaiah, and especially the first portion. Isaiah 9 is a highlight of this first portion of Isaiah. Isaiah 9 tells us that God is committed to saving the world through a person who will bring ultimate peace. That was the main gist of the sermon on Sunday. And we looked specifically at Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And we dug into that. What does it mean? There were some good questions that came out, which is why I wanted to record this and just take a few moments and dig into some of these questions, Uh, especially with these titles. The titles are so meaningful and so filled with information, but there's also some questions of what what do we do with some of these things and and questions that arise with uh, these particular titles and descriptions of Jesus. So again, in Isaiah 9, 6, there are titles like Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. So here, here are a couple questions, and this will lead us into maybe some more helpful reflection on the passage that I preached on on Sunday. There's a question, how is this child who is Jesus, the Son of God, also described as the Father? So he's the Everlasting Father. How is Jesus, who's the Son, also the Father? And another question kind of gets at some of the same themes in a little bit different way. So the question is, the titles that are ascribed to baby Jesus in Isaiah 9-6 are also names to use to describe the Holy Spirit. He's the counselor and the eternal father in scripture. So if we set aside even the Trinitarian aspect, how does Jesus embody these names assigned to the other persons of the Godhead? So these are really good questions, and I think they take us right into the heart of Christian theology. How can God be the Father? Isn't the Spirit the Counselor? At the heart of an understanding of the core doctrine of the Trinity is there's one God, one God in essence. So all the things that make God, God, there's one. There are also three persons. So God manifests his nature, his character in three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's what Christians have affirmed for years. So in that way, I think that really does, if, if we keep that in our mind, I think that really does help us because there is the same essence. So when we talk about God being eternal, Father, Son, Spirit are eternal. When we talk about God being wonderful, Father, Son, Spirit are wonderful. When we talk about God being mighty, Father, Son, Spirit are mighty. When we talk about God bringing peace, Father, Son, Spirit bring peace. These are all characteristics of God, the essence of God. So it shouldn't surprise us that Jesus would be characterized that way, even if other persons of the Trinity could be as well. And even the way he cares. So this is the the distinction between son and father. So I understand when this title of everlasting father is used, it's not necessarily to describe the relationship of the Trinity. It's much more describing the, even the son nurtures his people in a fatherly way. I think that's the description. The son looks after the disciples, looks after those that he's called to himself. 
So he has this nurturing way. And when we hear the title prince, I mean, we could go, well, wait a minute. He's also called the king of kings and lord of lords, not just the prince. Is he prince or is he king? And I think that's to misunderstand the analogies. The analogies can work different ways. They help us understand realities. So the different titles aren't mutually exclusive. We could say he's the prince of peace, leveraging authority for peace. And we could say he's the king of kings and lord of lords. He's above every other king. Uh, he is the wonderful counselor. And again, I don't think it's mutually exclusive to see the spirit as the counselor, the advocate that we have, and also see Jesus as the counselor. So we have to re realize God is one in essence, but there are different ways that is uh, manifest to us in the persons of the Trinity. And yet with God one in essence, there is something different about the way this description is because it says he is a son and a child. And it doesn't say that about our Heavenly Father. And it doesn't say that about the Holy Spirit. He's the prince, the government rests on him. And it just reminds me of other words in scripture where it says everything's been entrusted to the judgment of the Son. Particularly going back to the question of how do we see these names like the Eternal Father, the Holy Spirit's called a counselor, how do we see even in the life of Jesus some of these descriptions playing out? So I think of him being our counselor and I immediately go to his teaching. So Jesus taught. And so this is taken from the gospels. He taught and no one taught like he taught. And then I think of Jesus one-to-one -one counsel of Nicodemus, one-to-one -one counsel of the woman at the well, of the woman caught in adultery, the kind nature he had with Mary and Martha. And I think he's the wonderful counselor. This is exactly what we would expect. Uh, the fact that he's eternal comes from John 1, in the beginning was the word, and then the word became flesh and is identified as Jesus. He dwelt among us. He is the one who brings peace. Ephesians and Romans spell this out. He makes peace and he is peace. And then he Jesus is mighty. He oversees legions of armies. He says he could call any one of them to come to his rescue. He also says that winds and waves obey his voice. So all these are just pointing at the fact that Jesus is mighty. So I think we'll be helped if we remember one essence of God. So we would expect these descriptions to be of Father, Son, and Spirit, and then also unique ways where Jesus shows himself to be of the Son and the Child that is talked about in Isaiah 9. I did get another question that I, I want to take a few moments and address, and uh, maybe it's a little late in the season to do this, and I apologize for that, but here's the question. I would love to hear any insight you have on sharing with loved ones this time of year. How can we do that around the table in a tactful way? I will say I may not be the best at giving this because a lot of my family is Christian, so there are probably others who have insights that I don't have, but a few things did come to mind, so I'd love to share them with you. I would definitely use opportunities, and some of this goes year-round, not just this season, but I would use opportunities to invite people to church. And I know that's an easy, easy thing to say, but this is why I think it's so important. When you invite someone to church that normally does not go, when they come, church may be different than what they thought it would be. They may have an idea that church is something irrelevant, but they may hear something in the message. The Spirit may put them under the sound of God's Word, and they may hear something that sounds amazingly relevant, and they may be surprised, and that surprise may be an invitation to explore more. But I think another reason why I love for people to invite their friends and family members to come to church with them is I believe that people that are unbelievers may see Christian community in a way they never thought that they would ever see it. Uh, there's diversity in ages. And so I would use those opportunities to invite people to church so that they might see that Christians love each other. And that's the way Jesus said, 
the world will know you're my disciples by the love you have for each other. I think another thing you could do is offer to pray, pray for a meal or pray for a gathering. And you can pray without being preachy. You can think about what you might say. Again, it doesn't have to be a long drawn out thing, but I think those prayers, that's you speaking to God in front of other people. I think that's a very valuable place. I would definitely work hard to be patient. Sometimes holidays and just company can cause the stress levels to go up. I don't think you have to hold yourself to this perfect standard of, I can't make any mistakes. I can't ever get frustrated. But I, I, I still would work hard to be patient. And I would say this, if your life is filled with the Spirit, my guess is that there are decisions, priorities, activities that are marked differences from you and those that don't yet know Christ. So I would not shy from talking about those decisions and priorities and activities and how that shapes your life as you get opportunity. Those are just small things, but maybe they're helpful. As always, if you want to get in touch and ask a question for a future podcast, please go to the website. Feel free to do that. Uh, the Extra Points has a website, or you can just shoot me an email at chill at ogletown.org. I know there's a lot more we could talk about, but I do want you to have a Merry Christmas, and I want to thank you again for listening this week to The Extra Point. Mm-hmm.